Hello and welcome to the Beyond Resilience Life podcast, a show about life adversity, how to overcome it and transform your life. This is your host, Dr. Lidiana Garcia, a licensed psychologist in Los Angeles, California. And even though my hope is to deliver information that can be helpful for you to overcome adversity and transform your life, it is not meant to be a substitute from being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professional. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Second Season. Today, I have the pleasure and honor to present you Susana Marquez. She's a licensed marriage family therapist here in LA in the South Bay area, right? In Long Beach. In Long Beach. And today we're going to talk about the topic of building resilience during the postpartum stage. A lot of people plan for the birth. A lot of people plan for all the things that they need to buy for baby, and they keep forgetting about moms and the postpartum stage. So today that's all we're going to talk about. But before we keep on going, I want to say again, thank you, Susana, for being here in our show and welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you about this topic because it's true. We all plan for baby, but we forget about the mother. Yes. And so important. And going along those lines, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your work, and what are you most passionate about? So I am an LMFT and I'm currently also specializing in maternal mental health with the Latinx community and I reside in Long Beach. My practice is in Long Beach. I'm also working on my doctorate dissertation on bridging the gap for maternal mental health in the Latinx community. And I have a five-year-old myself. So I experienced my PPD and PPA pretty severely, postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. So I know what it's like to kind of be in the trenches with that. So I'm very passionate about raising awareness in our community because I don't think that we've done much work on that and how to normalize that it's okay to seek help, that a lot of the stuff that we as moms, it doesn't matter if it's your first child or your third you can be experiencing some of these symptoms and it's okay to say, I don't feel well, or this doesn't feel right. And I need to talk to a professional. So I'm very passionate about doing that in our community, very passionate about being able to provide these services when I know that there's a very big gap when it comes to services being able to be provided, whether it's because of language barriers or financial barriers or cultural barriers. So I'm really passionate of just being able to kind of open the door to that and being able to step in and say like, hey, you know, I'm here, I'm available, I'm, I've been there, I know exactly what that looks like, and how can I help, and how can we continue to have this conversation in our community? So important to have all this in. I can feel your passion. I was here <laughs> muted. That's why it took me a second to take me unmuted. But I was able to feel your passion as you spoke about it. And it's so important because a lot of moms feel so lost during that time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we discover ourselves. It's like we're giving birth to ourselves as well when we birth a child. But I think that with that, we also have to acknowledge that we carry a lot of intergenerational trauma or wounds from our own mothers and the way we were mothered or our maternal figures in our lives. And those are things that we really don't consider when we have a child, how that may impact us or how that may affect 
the way we do our own motherhood journey in the process. So these are things that I've all also kind of discovered myself as a mother in the last five years and have also considered really using those things, those cultural things in the work that I do so that it helps other mothers acknowledge that we do carry a lot of this stuff with us. And sometimes it's more about what we're carrying that's been impacting the way we're doing motherhood versus what we're actually experiencing. So with being able to have that conversation and being able to say, you know, this isn't really even about you as a mother. It's more about your mother or the maternal figure in your life and what expectations or pressure or trauma you suffered firsthand. So that kind of thing. Yeah, it can get so complex. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And what are some of the most common reactions you see in the postpartum stage? There's definitely a lot of feelings of like, I'm not enough or I'm not doing enough. Definitely feeling like you should have this figured out from the moment the child is placed in your arms. And if you don't, then that immediately gets into, I'm a bad mom. I don't belong here. This child is going to be traumatized with me. What am I doing wrong? So there's so much immediate rejection of yourself and this immediate guilt that kicks in from the moment you're given that child. And then that spirals into feelings of isolation and abandonment and feeling depressive or feeling as if someone's going to harm the child or you're not functioning at a normal state, right? It's impairing everything that is going on in your daily life because mentally and emotionally there's just so much other stuff going on yeah and it's so true that you said that that pressure to feel like we have to have it all figured out right because <laughs> yeah. we read it you know i hear so many moms and friends like but in this book it says x y and c and it i tried it and it didn't work and i'm like yeah yeah or we say, because culturally, we helped raise our siblings. You know, I'm an only child, so I didn't have that experience. So for some mothers, it's, well, you know, I helped my mom with my three brothers or my sisters. And it's like, you can't place those expectations on yourself that because you were the parentified child, that now you should know how to be a parent. Or because you grew the human being in your body or you read X, Y, and Z books that automatically makes you the most experienced and knowledgeable parent out there because these expectations culturally, socially, they're killing us. They really are. They're setting us up for failure and they're placing way too much pressure that's actually debilitating the way we actually do motherhood. It's debilitating us as a person mentally and emotionally and then creating this whole vicious cycle of I got to catch up and and do X, Y, and Z in order to be like the next mom. And then when you have something else to then compare yourself to, then you have to run around again doing X, Y, and Z to be like the other mom. So it's like we're all hamsters on the wheel, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I know a lot of my clients or people that I hear them say like, but my mom had eight children and by herself. But your mom did not have Facebook, Instagram, all this access to this book, all this pressure and all these expectations necessarily being put on you about being a good mom. Exactly. That was very true. That's very true. And so that's another thing. 
when we hear our own mothers or whoever our maternal figure was say, but I did it with five and I did it with 10. And, you know, when I was a single mom and I didn't have all the resources that you do now. So that creates an immense sense of guilt or it intensifies it already because you're thinking, well, yeah, my mom did do that while being a single mom or she worked two jobs. So how is it that I can't function having, let's say, you know, a car or a partner or more support system? So that there goes that comparison again, right? So I really live by comparison as a thief of joy because it'll really feel the moments of joy for you because you have this fixation of comparing yourself to everything you see on social media or even to the moms you, you know, you hang around with, whoever you're your support little mom community is, if that's where we're at, then it's really feeling those joyful moments of you and your child or your children because we're so fixated on that comparison game of who's done what and how we do it and what we look like while we're doing it and what milestone has our kid achieved that, you know, or that the other kid has achieved that ours hasn't. So it's really a thief of joy. Yeah. Yeah, it can be so hard. And to provide some comfort for those of you that are listening, going like, oh my God, I know I've been there. What tends to help most during this stage? So it's definitely important to have a support system. We can't do it alone, but we also need to be able to articulate and express effectively what we need. And I think that once you're able to do that, with a good group of people, whether it be family or friends, it does lessen, you know, it does lessen the symptoms because you're obviously not only articulating what you need and saying, hey, either I need more help or I need seek professional help or I need a day for myself, but then you have someone else stepping in and taking care of that for you. And there's that, there's that beautiful bond between the community who's helping raise that child, but also you as a mother have that support system of knowing there is someone for me to go to. Like I can count on this person, right? Or maybe you don't have a lot of support system, but you set up support system externally, whether it be, you know, professional help, a therapist, a support group, or you've created, you know, a support group with other moms through play dates. It's knowing that there's other people around you experiencing what you're experiencing that can normalize the process for you and provide a sense of help. Yeah. And Susanna, what do you recommend or work when you might have encounter a mom that goes like, but I'm shy. I don't like asking for help or that is connected to some of my trauma issues. So how do you help them or give recommendation to start speaking out and asking for it? I do get some moms that have that experience where it's not even that they're shy. It's more of like the fear of asking for help, right? Because your fear kind of paralyzes you and kicks in and makes you think, well, if I do ask for help, something bad's going to happen. And that's definitely connected, like you said, with some kind of trauma, right? That trauma is keeping you from, from seeking help. It's keeping you from speaking out and saying something. So it takes a lot longer because you have to process and work through all of that to help that mom get to a place where they feel safe and secure and asking for help. So sometimes it is exploring with a mother, okay, well, who is your safety net? Is there someone that you have in your life 
maybe it could just be one specific person, but who was that like safety security person for you that you would go to if you needed help, but it had nothing to do with motherhood. Like let's just say you as a person need help. Is there someone? And trying to bring that person in, sometimes if the if mother's open, bringing that person into session and letting them know, using the therapy room as a safety you know, place with no judgment, no criticism is absolutely one of the best tools that I've ever experienced, not only myself, but now as a clinician, because it really helps a mother feel like, okay, I can bring that person in here. I can tell them what I'm feeling here and know that that I'm not going to be judged, that I'm not going to be criticized, that someone's not going to be calling CPS and reporting me for sharing these thoughts or sharing this information. But when you have a mom who feels that she can't trust anyone because of her trauma, that is a more challenging process because it's really helping her get to a place of security. And it's definitely getting her to a place where she feels safe enough to start looking out for people that she can trust. And sometimes moms will come in and say, well, you know, I met this mom that was really nice and was really sweet and she has reached out, but for X, Y, and Z reasons, I'm the one who's put it on the back burner or I'm afraid. And so it's kind of exploring that. Okay, well, let's say you did, you know, respond to her text message, or let's say you did go out and and meet her up for a play date. What would that look like? You know, how could you prepare for that? You know, what could be your plan B in case that doesn't... um, go well, you know, things like that. So it's definitely a lot of planning. It's definitely a lot of exploring, a lot of just being open and talking and and seeing where we can create a safety plan for them to embark on that so that they feel a little bit more secure and safe as they go through it. I think you brought such an important topic and many of of the listeners might be like, safety, it all boils down to it. And I, I completely agree. Because many go like, but I don't, I don't have any fear. I'm okay. But being a new mom or a sec, I mean, I'm going to be a second mom now soon. But, you know, it can be so vulnerable. Like you're just yeah. like you're raw and you're sleep deprived and you worries might come and you never know how this child is. Both of you are getting to know each other. And then if you have partners and moms and all this thing, but it can bring so many vulnerabilities and expose you and it can bring a lot of fear. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you've experienced some kind of trauma, that fear just intensifies, right? You may be having some PTSD in the process because of the trauma you've experienced or that, you know, you've had a traumatic birth. So that can be very, very traumatic, not just on the child, but on the mother and reliving all the other trauma. So it can be very complex, like you stated earlier, and they can bring on um, old challenges, new challenges, and it's, it's trying to figure all of that out, which I think that we definitely do not consider when a mother has a child, right? We just think she was pregnant for nine months, you know, she gave birth, she now has a child. She's either going to breastfeed, formula feed, whatever she chooses, which that could even be an issue, right? That can be very traumatic too. And then we just assume that it's going to be all blissful and all beautiful pictures and you're walking around with this beautiful bundle of joy, but we don't consider any of these other things that we're discussing right now. Yeah. So we like completely fail 
as a society to be able to provide, you know, the mother all the resources that she needs. But then we also set set us up for like complete failure and feeling like we're just not doing well as mothers, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that first night that I, because I had a home birth, so it was like I did not have to break out in the hospital or anything. But that first night that it was like, oh, here it comes, it's nighttime. And that whole fear of like the uncertainty, how many times is he going to wake up? What am I going to do? And oh my God, what if something happens and I'm by myself? It was so, so scary. And I remember the first morning after him that I was like, oh, we survived it. But it was such a scary moment because nighttime can bring so many other kind of complexities in itself. No. I remember when the first night that we were home, my fear was, why did they let me leave with this child from the hospital if I have no clue what I'm supposed to be doing now? Mm-hmm. I was completely afraid of how often am I supposed to feed him. And right in the hospital, they tell you, you have a schedule and they have to feed every two, three hours. But I'm like, so when's the nurse going to come in and tell me what I'm supposed to do? How am I supposed to figure this out by myself? This doesn't make any sense. And I remember feeling like they shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have let me out with this child when I don't have a clue what I'm supposed to do. Who am I supposed to call in an emergency? And all of these thoughts of, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What is this? What is that? We're so, you know, intense. And I'm like, this could drive someone crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't happen to, but I hear a lot of my mom friends that then they would stay awake and put in like their fingers underneath the infant's like nose or a piece of paper to kind of check if they were breathing. Thank God I did not go through that with my first one and hopefully not with my second. But so many fears of like, what if they die? And you know, and you read about Sid and my son did not want to sleep in his back. He would put him in his back and he would scream bloody murder. And I'm like, but I need to put him in his back because if I put him in this belly and all this, it was so much information and fear of any little thing. So I'm so glad that we're talking about fear and safety because I think it's so important during this state. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I know that I experienced that where I would stay up and just watch him to see if he was breathing. Did I miss a breath? Is everything okay? Or put my hand on his chest, feel the breathing and make sure that it was happening on a regular basis. And every little noise would scare me. So I know that I spent nights where I got no sleep because the anxiety and the worry and thinking, I don't know how to take care of this human being. Yeah. Yeah. But going back to that whole piece of safety, you know, how to create safety with the support network and any other kind of recommendations or even resources, book or programs that could help new moms or second-time moms with this sense of safety? So there's a wonderful resource that I'm a support coordinator for them. So I help mothers who either call the warm line through Postpartum Support International. They have a warm line that a mother can call or even a partner or any family member looking for help for the mother. And they then get connected with the support coordinator in their area. Like for myself, I cover LA County and some of Orange County. 
And so I can help them find resources in that area, see who's available under their insurance if they want to use their insurance, provide them with information on support groups or different other resources out there if they're seeking things such as maybe a lactation consultant or therapy or a mom's group. And they also offer support groups online. So they're able to connect there and see what links are available for them. I think it's twice a month that they offer them. They even offer some for dads. And, you know, if you fear leaving the house or you're just, you don't don't have transportation, they do offer them in other languages besides English. And they also have a listing of different providers in all areas in LA, Orange County, Inland Empire that provide services so that, that they can call themselves and actually maybe make an appointment or even just text message a support coordinator and say, hey, I'm feeling like this. And then just having someone to communicate with. For example, I get moms who will text me at different random hours of the day and just saying, hey, you know, I don't know if this is normal. And then just having someone you're, you're communicating with back and forth, validating how you feel, normalizing it, kind of being like you're your guide through the process and holding your hand makes it feel very comforting. So there's a lot of stuff out there that TSI provides that is available not only in English, but in other languages, and it's free. So it's absolutely a wonderful resource that I like to share. This and amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's wonderful because you can use this at any time of the day from wherever you're at, whatever city you're in. They have different coordinators in different states. So obviously, if you're in a different state, you can use the website, use the online support groups. And the listing that they have is wonderful because there's different resources in different states and different providers. So it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, tool to have. Mm-hmm. So Postpartum Support International. I think I found the, the number is the 1-800-944-4773. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's the number. And then press number one for Spanish and two for English. So that's great. Thank you for this amazing resource. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. And as we're getting close to the end, I know we can keep on going, talking about who's parting and all that, but how can the listeners find you? So you can reach me at wellnessparalamama.com. That's my website. And it has all my contact information and where I'm located. I am also on Instagram at Wellness Para La Mama. And my phone number is 562 452 And I respond to text messages or voicemails that are left. And my email, wellnessparalamama at gmail.com. So I am pretty accessible. I do respond to DMs if someone sends me a DM via Instagram. But obviously, I do prefer an email or a phone call if you're looking for services. But if resources are needed and someone sends me a DM, I definitely do respond because sometimes, you know, that's more accessible for somebody and it's quicker and they're just needing a connection to something else. So I'm very accessible, wellness para la mama, and I am in Long Beach. Yeah, this is so important because... In those moments, we just need someone ASAP. It's not like, go to this, figure this out. So I'm so glad that you are able to provide that availability. And do you have any openings in your practice? I currently do have openings. And I do accept Kaiser 
Cigna, and United Healthcare. And those are the three I accept as far as insurances, but I do have openings and I am available mornings, evenings, and some weekends. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that sounds really, really good. Well, thank you so much, Susanna, for being here with us. Any last thoughts or any offerings that you are having currently in your program? Currently, I am working on some new things. I will be starting a group soon on how to create that postpartum plan. So it's more about how do we create this plan while we're pregnant to, to be more ready for when the baby comes, who can I call at three in the morning if, you know, the baby is colicky and I just need some help versus what we get so fixated about sometimes, which is all the things, like you said earlier, that the baby gets, but we forget, well, who's going to take care of mom when she's hungry and needs to shower or just wants like 15 minutes to go to the bathroom by herself, right? So it's creating those plans on who we can incorporate into that postpartum care that we can rely on and say, hey, you know, can you take care of the meals for this week? You know, that kind of thing. I know those are really helpful for for mothers who are in the trenches, just someone who can come over and either take care of the meal or help with washing clothes or just giving mom the time to shower. Um, So I will be starting those soon. But one thing I did want to reiterate, which is something we forget in the process is taking care of if we're not healthy, then we can't take care of others, including our children. So my biggest, the model that I live by, and I try to practice it myself, but I really tell my clients is a healthy mama is a healthy family. And there's no other way around that, but really taking care of you in order for you to take care of everybody else. So important. So important. And thank you, Susana. I know. And we said the specific time and it just, can't, you know, we're done at the end, but I'm so appreciative of having you here. And that looks like a great program, the postpartum plan. I'm even thinking like I needed to <laughs> brush off my plan because I did not have a plan last time, of course, a new mom. And this time I am definitely having one. So, but thank you for that. And I'm so looking forward to look at all these new offerings and the services that you're providing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And congratulations on baby number two. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. And we'll talk soon. Great. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond Resilience Life podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. If you like this episode, please make sure to review it and comment on it and share it with your friends and family. Until next time. 